KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, May 16th. Why community oversight of San Diego police has stopped in recent months? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Former Chairman of the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, Nathan Fletcher, officially resigned yesterday. Fletcher announced his resignation in late March after being accused in a civil lawsuit of sexual harassment, stalking, and sexual assault. Yesterday, Fletcher sent a letter to his constituents saying he takes responsibility for his mistake of a sexual relationship outside of his marriage, but he denied the allegations made in the lawsuit filed by a former employee of MTS. His former colleague, Supervisor Jim Desmond, reacted to the resignation. It was nice to see the apology, but he's costing the county $5 million in a new general election that we have to go through. So I'm just happy to hopefully get this behind us. We can move on with the governance of the uh, county. A special election to Phil Fletcher's seat will be held on August 15th. The San Diego Blues Festival will not be returning to the Embarcadero this year. The fundraiser concert is being canceled after running for more than a decade. The event benefited the Jacobs and Cushman San Diego Food Bank and its North County Food Bank chapter. The Food Bank CEO said inflation, supply chain challenges, and higher overhead costs for the event are part of why the event is being scrapped. Over the last 12 years, it raised more than $1 million and about 21 tons of food for the food bank. Warm weather is expected in San Diego County early this week, but the National Weather Service says the skies will be cloudy at times, feeling like May gray. Temps will be in the 70s today and are expected to hit up to 12 degrees higher than average this time of year in some parts of the county. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. It's been two and a half years since San Diego voters demanded more powerful community oversight of police. But investigative reporter Scott Rod found the city has less community oversight of SDPD now than it did when voters went to the polls. A warning that this story contains audio from police body camera footage that some listeners may find disturbing. In the summer of 2020, San Diego police officers conducted a welfare check at an apartment on 4th Avenue. Kitchen clerk. In body camera footage, you can see officers enter the apartment. Two children are sitting on a couch when a man walks out of the bedroom. Stay right there. Stop. 
Police officers shout instructions, the man keeps walking, and then an officer fires a taser. Using their tasers, the officers shocked the man a few more times before putting him in handcuffs. Police made no arrests that night. However, the man who was tased filed a complaint against the officers for excessive force. SDPD conducted an internal investigation and cleared the officers. But San Diego's Police Oversight Commission, which is made up of community volunteers, disagreed. It found the use of force was excessive. The commission shared its conclusions with the department. SDPD then had the option to incorporate that feedback before closing its internal investigation. At the most basic level, that's how San Diego's Police Oversight Commission is supposed to work. But right now... They are really not functioning at all. Andrea St. Julian is an attorney and co-chair of San Diegans for Justice. She also authored Measure B, the 2020 ballot measure that called for stronger police oversight in San Diego. It passed with 75 percent of the vote. The measure requires the city council to create a stronger community watchdog over the police, with the power to launch its own investigations and subpoena witnesses. But that hasn't happened yet. It is a travesty that the city council has worked in such a way that instead of creating a more robust oversight mechanism for the city and for the police department, they have basically destroyed it at this point. There are 25 commissioner spots, and currently fewer than half are filled. The city council could have filled those vacancies, but chose not to, as burnout contributed to a wave of resignations in recent years. Patrick Anderson served on the commission until last year. I was very quickly spending 20 to 30 hours a week just on commission work. The dwindling number of commissioners couldn't keep up with the workload. There's now a backlog of more than 150 cases, and it will only continue to grow. That's because the commission recently announced it will stop holding meetings and pause its review of cases. Not only that, but KPBS found SDPD has closed dozens of cases of alleged police misconduct without the commission's input, simply because too much time has passed. They include more serious allegations, such as excessive force, discrimination, and unlawful arrest. We can't guarantee somebody who's being pulled over right now that their complaint is going to be heard and given a fair shake by this commission. That's a tragedy. And it's a political disaster. It's up to the city council to act. It needs to appoint a slate of new commissioners before oversight of the police department can restart. Those commissioners will need to go through intensive training and eventually develop rules for how the commission will conduct its own independent investigations. Needless to say, the powerful watchdog envisioned by Measure B is still a ways off. Just how far off? I would say, and this is the best guess, 18 months to uh, two years. Doug Case is acting chair of the commission. Well, I've learned how things move slowly in the city. KPBS sent multiple interview requests to Councilmember Monica Montgomery Stepp, the council's most vocal supporter of Measure B. She declined. In a written statement, Montgomery Stepp said she's proud of her work on the issue. Council President Sean Ilo Rivera also declined multiple interview requests. His office promised KPBS a statement but instead sent out a news release to all local media saying the council will begin appointing new commissioners later this month. Scott Rod, KPBS News.
The city of Vista took a step in curbing homelessness yesterday. The city broke ground on an affordable housing community for senior citizens. North County reporter Alexander Wynn was there and brings us this story. In about a year, this pile of dirt will turn into a 54-unit permanent supportive housing for people 62 years and older who are experiencing homelessness or at risk of being homeless. Dubbed the Santa Fe Senior Village, it will be fully furnished and 100% affordable. You know, we're not building facilities for people from other places in the county. We have the need right here in Vista. John Franklin is the mayor of Vista. He said his grandmother lived in HUD-subsidized housing, and he saw firsthand what it meant for her not having to worry about missing rent. I am very proud to have played a very small role uh, in supporting this project, and we will continue to prioritize building uh, direct subsidized housing for seniors so that they can have a dignified quality of life. The project is expected to be completed by summer 2024. The residents will receive vouchers from the county to cover part of their rent, and no one will be paying more than 30% of their income toward rent. Alexander Nguyen, KPPS News. San Diego is one of the top cities in the country for multi-generational households. More than 10% of people live with three or more generations under the same roof, and each home is different. Our newsroom will be exploring how in a new series. Reporter Katie Heisen has more. We hang out with people that are from 26 to 75, and everything mixes. So that's a big surprise. It's sometimes a little bit difficult because um, this is not where we thought we would be, you know, at this age. I'd rather she's here with us and, you know, we take care of her as best as we can and do what we can for her. You definitely have to get over things very quickly and have, like, an open relationship with the ones you love. There's never a feeling of loneliness. Multi-generational living is the norm in many cultures. But there's another reason likely driving the trend in San Diego. It's just too expensive to be here. Ricardo Flores is the director of a local nonprofit for affordable housing. And if your family's from San Diego, sure, you could pick up and move to Arizona or somewhere else, but this is your network. This is where home is. He says it's one thing if the home has enough space and privacy for multiple generations. But in many cases, that's not what he sees. People convert garages, legal or illegal, uh, to be able to house people. Um, you know, as a kid, you don't think much of it. But then as you get older, you're like, wait a minute, that's the garage. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. They're living in the garage. Garages, living rooms, multiple people to one bedroom. Flora sees all sorts of living arrangements. He says the lack of affordable housing in San Diego is creating tenement-like living conditions. I've been in places in City Heights where I've opened the door and... It, I could just tell there were so many people. It was so hot. Like, what the hell's happening here? He says those kinds of conditions also lead to higher stress and lack of sleep. It's just not a productive way to live. It's not getting the best out of our, of our people. He sees lack of housing space as primarily a zoning issue. More than three quarters of residential housing in San Diego is zoned for single families. But when multi-generational households share enough space, there are tremendous benefits. That's according to Juan Pablo Pardoguera, a sociologist with UC San Diego. Because it creates all these connections, these additional connections with surrounding communities and also with other members of the family, it tends to lead to better outcomes. 
Better life outcomes, he says, like higher rates of college attendance and more social mobility. It allows families to share childcare and finances and build more capital. Resources we get from having good neighbors, having uh, friends nearby that we can rely on. In the coming weeks, we'll tell you stories from all ends of the spectrum. People who live together by necessity. We also could keep an eye on them as they aged and maybe had different needs arise, um, which inevitably happens. And by choice. I just think this is um, quite a luxury to be able to live like this. In tight quarters. It has to be a lot of patience. And it's going to be hard, but the focus is, you know, the parent. And on sprawling properties. Well, we do live on 12 acres, so there is a lot of space, luckily. With their cultural norms? I think it's maybe just the way we grew up, like whether, whether it would be my parents or, or her mom, you know, when it came time to take care of a family member, just take care of them as long as you can. And against them. Where our parents lived far away from where we lived, yeah. And so that was seemed to be the norm. And now we're all on top of each other here. But they all have one thing in common. They're making it work. It's working out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's fun. It feels good in your heart to be close to your relatives. This series will explore how. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. Coming up. A goal for students in the state to be bilingual may be leaving some students behind. We'll have that story just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash OLLI. California wants the majority of its students to be bilingual within the next two decades. But iNewsource reporter Andrea Figueroa-Briceño found English learners may be getting left behind. Research shows that even though English learners do best in dual-language programs, less than a tenth of them are enrolled in one statewide. Many of these programs across the U.S. have seen a drop in their English learner enrollment, and some have even seen more white students. Experts say the initiative known as Global California 2030 needs more investments, including money and bilingual teachers. Here's the Century Foundation senior fellow, Connor Williams. You need an equity mindset where the kids who will benefit most need to be the ones who get priority. The state says it's still encouraged by its progress. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource reporter Andrea Figueroa-Briseño. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for more local stories. Plus, we'll hear part two of our series on multi-generational households. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Tuesday.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.